Welcome to the Sports Spectrum Podcast, where faith and sports collide. Here's your host, Jason Romano. This episode of the Sports Spectrum Podcast is sponsored by Compassion International. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. $38 a month. Sponsor a child in Jesus' name. Every child being discipled in the Word of God, providing hope, providing food, providing education. This is what Compassion does. And you can be a part of it. You can be the change in a child's life, providing hope through compassion. $38 a month. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and sponsor a child today. I promise you, you will not regret it. Today's guest on the podcast, former NFL tight end Super Bowl 41 champion Ben Utek is our guest. He was a four-year starter at the University of Minnesota, grew up in Hastings, Minnesota, And Ben then moved on to the NFL where he wasn't drafted. And in this podcast, he tells the story of how Tony Dungy, the former Colts coach, the Hall of Famer, the man of faith, came, sought out, and made a promise to Ben, and then eventually brought Ben to the Indianapolis Colts where he was a part of that team for four seasons. Uh, He won a Super Bowl there, Super Bowl 41, back in 2006, catching passes from guys like Peyton Manning and certainly leading his team and helping to lead his team to a Super Bowl victory. He also talks about the unique way that Tony Dungy incorporated faith into the Super Bowl ring that Ben got and all the other members of the Colts got, which is kind of cool. So definitely be listening for that. But Ben's career started to take a turn for the worse, unfortunately, as he suffered five documented concussions in his NFL career, his fourth being the first one that he ever experienced amnesia with, where he couldn't remember anything that he saw, anything that happened. Uh, When he was shown the video the next day, he tells this story on the podcast, he didn't remember being hit. He didn't remember anything about the concussion. And unfortunately, that last concussion, which took place on hard knocks, if you remember, when he was a member of the Bengals, led to him having to make the difficult decision to retire from the game. And he then became an author, a speaker, and a musician, and also an entrepreneur. But there was a time when Ben with the brain injuries and with the concussions, thought that he might not be able to, or that he might get to a point where he would not be able to remember anything in his life, like including his family. So he wrote a song in 2014 called You'll Always Be My Girls. Uh, And if you watch the video, it's excruciating because it it shows him in a light where he literally thought that there was going to be a moment where he would lose all memory because of the concussions. He then wrote a book in 2016 called Counting the Days Until My Mind Slips Away. Again, that title is just excruciating to read, but there's a happy ending in this. Ben's mind and, and, and how he's doing is, is uh, really nothing short of a miracle. He's doing great. Uh, his mind is sharp. Um, but he still has these concussions and the brain injuries, and that uh, is something that will live with him. But he's doing well, and uh, we're grateful that he joined us here on the podcast. He has a new album out called Standing Strong, uh, which was released earlier this year in 2018. He's a musician. Uh, He's got a new consulting business. He's starting with Keystone Culture Group. I mean, just a lot going on, uh, and his story is a powerful one. So let's get right to it. Without further ado, here he is, former NFL tight end Super Bowl 41 champion Ben Utek joins us here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. 2018 marks nine years since you last played in the NFL. What has transition been like from the NFL? I know, that, again, there's a lot of layers to this, but just take sure. us through where you are today and how you're doing. 
Well, you know, obviously it wasn't an easy transition just having to uh, to leave the game in many ways due to an injury. You know, so it it it, it didn't feel like it was necessarily my choice, mm. um, but at the same time, it was the right choice, especially with its connection to concussion and traumatic brain injury and and just wanting to ensure the long-term health of my uh of my brain for myself and my for my family um so it was the right choice um and it was interesting because i i had always had equal passions um for speaking for singing uh, and those were the areas I was going to go into. So I, you know, the, I think one thing that really helped me with the transition was first and foremost faith that I had uh, a foundation, um, a belief system that I could practice that would ground me uh, during that time. But then, I, you know, I knew where I wanted to. I knew where I wanted to take my first step. And so we, you know, we moved down to Nashville and 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 really gave the music. Um, an opportunity and and I think also you know that's where I think the foundation of speaking also really began and so um, the you know the the challenge is you you've been at the top for such a long time in sports and you you genuinely think that 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 level is just going to maintain when you step into the real world and I think you're hit with a pretty rude awakening that it. Uh, uh, the real world is um, is is not the football field, and um, and so redefining yourself um, uh, can be challenging, and it, and it and it really was for me. And so, uh, really, the last six years has been a process of um, surrender and prayer, and and seeking purpose, uh, finding significance again, and 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 really kind of allowing a life's life's circumstances to you know to kind of be the um the fingerprints of god and 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 direct you in in defining those things and so um you know music um music has always been a part of my life and it still is today and we've got some fun things going on there on the side and and uh the lord i think has really used my voice in in speaking uh, particularly in leadership and and uh, building high-performing culture, especially using that Super Bowl forty-one blueprint created by uh, guys like Tony Dungy, Peyton Manning, that I was blessed to experience. So there's <clears throat> there's a lot of there's a lot of purpose in what's happening now. Ben, why do you think people, players, I should say, from the NFL struggle with transition? when they retire, the transitioning to the real world. I know obviously injuries, you have to, you know, work through those as well. And yours, as we'll get into, was a different deal and a different dynamic. But just being acclimated back into regular society, why is that so difficult for so many football players and so many athletes? Well, obviously, you know, I can only speak to my own personal, you know, um, perspective on that. But I believe that a lot of it has to do with – you know, with, with really unknown identity, you know, who are, who are you and what do you believe and how does it affect the way that you live your life? And I think when you, when you make it to a professional level, you can really now attach your career all the way back to when you started playing that sport competitively. 
which puts a lot of uh, NFL players who, who end up playing more than the average career length you know, of three years into a category where, where this sport has been their identity for 20 to 25 plus years. And then in one moment, it's over. Mm-hmm. And, and it, really does, it, it, does, it really does feel like that. I mean, you know, the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's, the, the, the guys who when their career ends, it's, it's glorious and they keep getting brought back into the NFL and, they, and statues are made. And that's just, that's not, that is far from the typical. You know, um, I played six years and when, when the Bengals decided to let me go, it was done. It was a phone call. It was a clean out, clean out your locker and and uh, and walk away. I mean, it was very fast. It was very quick. And so, in a moment, in a blink of an eye, you know, those that twenty twenty five years stops, and and there's no real preparation for that. So now you have to to walk out into the into the real world and and. And re-identify yourself, and I think that's a, I think that really is a lot of uh, you know has a lot to do with with you know why uh, these young men struggle making that transition. Yeah, I think identity is it's a, sort of a buzzword that is used a lot, especially in the faith circles. But I think it's a real struggle, and I think it's not just for athletes. I think identity is a struggle for so many just in the world, being identified by their job or by by identified by you know, what they do for a living or, or how they are as opposed to whose they are um, in Christ. So that's exactly. definitely, that's it, man. Exactly. Um, let's go back. I, I want to take us back and hear a little bit more about your journey growing up. I know in Hastings, Minnesota was the mm-hmm. hometown mm-hmm. And, and sports. Where was sports in your life? And certainly faith, your dad, a, a Methodist minister. Take us through growing up in, in Hastings, Minnesota. Well, growing up in Hastings was, I think, the platform that needed to be there in order for me to really have any success in sports. Um, it was a thriving sports community and I was a three sport athlete. I was in track. I was a hockey player, believe it or not. I was a goalie. Mm-hmm. Um, you grew up in Minnesota and the, and the state sport is hockey. So I know you have to play hockey if you're from Minnesota. <laughs> Gotta play hockey. <laughs> Gotta play hockey. And so, and then football and my senior year, for a small river town in Minnesota, we had five um, five guys go Division One uh, full scholarships to the University of Minnesota. Mm. One for basketball, uh, three for hockey, and myself for football. So it was just an, a, an amazing environment, athletic environment to grow up in. And you know, I I have somewhat of an interesting story because, you know, recruiting was totally different back then, James. It's not like today where you had, where you have, uh, you know, the hub, the hub website, I think it's called where, I mean, every single video of every player is all consolidated and, you know, scouts can basically make sure they, they, they see every single young talent in the country. It wasn't like that. So yeah. my dad, my, my uncle, we, we made all the videos. We, we, we did all of our own recruiting. Um, we ran the ball a lot, you know, as an option team. And I was a six foot five, 200 and 
10 pound, you know, receiver <laughs> who, you know, who maybe got 15 passes uh, a year because we were an option team, but I was fast, you know, four, four forty, And, uh, for a tall guy, I mean, it was, you know, so we had to do it all on our own. And, um, one of the camps that I got invited to was the university of Minnesota. And I just, man, lights out. I had a great, I had a great summer camp. Uh, it was the, it was the, the June after my, my junior year. And I was, I was young. So I was still 16 years old when I went to this camp and, uh, you know, ran, ran a four, four forty, uh, caught everything. And at the end of the camp, Glenn Mason called me in his office and offered me a scholarship at 16 years old. So I, <laughs> I was with my dad and, you know, it was just kind of a dream come true. So reached over the table, shook his hand and, um, you know, was, was the first to commit. Uh, and, and that was really, I think what set the tone. And so that was four years as a start starting tight end in Minnesota. I had some pretty serious injuries, but the Lord orchestrated my journey to Indianapolis with Tony Dungy, who was also a University of Minnesota alumni. Yes. You know, he, he, he kind of created his own miracle story of, of bringing me to the NFL through those injuries and through um, a promise Tony Dungy made to me uh, in front of a, a large group of alumni that if I slipped through the cracks and didn't get drafted, he'd be the first person to call. And sure enough, due to a very serious abdominal injury, I didn't get drafted. You know, I went from being a potential first round pick to not getting drafted. And um, in the free agent market, the first person to call was Tony Dungy and brought me to Indianapolis, um, you know, provided surgery, uh, gave me a whole year to recover. Uh, he and general manager Bill Polian, both in the Hall of Fame now, said, uh, you know, we don't even want you to think about playing. We just want you to get better, you know, and we'll pay you as though you're a playing rookie. Uh, here's, you know, $230,000 to, wow. to, re to rest and recover. And here's a $20,000 signing bonus to rest and recover. And um, that next year, uh, the other starting tight end, Dallas Clark, goes down with an injury the the week of Sunday night kickoff against the Ravens and I step up and and uh you know have a great game catch a touchdown third quarter and the next thing you know for the next three seasons I'm kind of you know that that second starting tight end that we used so much in Indianapolis alongside Dallas Clark um and it was just you know history. I mean, that was, that was just kind of just an unbelievable way to that, that being on that team, winning that Super Bowl never would have happened if it wasn't, if it wasn't for going through something that, um, that only the Lord could have used. Yeah. That's such a great story. There's so much there. I want to unpack a little bit, but sure. um, let's. It's it's really good. Uh, this is the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Speaking to Ben Utech, the former NFL tight end. I'm Jason Romano. Uh, ben, I want to ask you, just from that story. First of all, the faith aspect of growing up as a as the son of PK, I guess, if you will, the Methodist mm -hmm. minister. 
mm-hmm. and being a pastor's kid and how that shaped you to prepare you for some of the obstacles that you just described and even coming to meet a man like Tony Dungy, who is obviously as outspoken about his faith as anyone um, and is a mentor to so many near and far. Um, So tell us about the faith aspect of your life growing up under your dad and how that shaped you. Well, you know, it it really is everything. Um, You know, you, you look at, you look at, as scripture calls following Jesus, the way, right? You look at, you look at the way and you look at, you look at the blueprint of faith from the Bible. And I think it becomes very clear, um, how powerful, um, how powerful designing a belief system and practicing it truly can be. And, you know, I, I do a lot of speaking on this today for, for main, mainstream um, corporations and, and how do you build high-performing culture? Well, you follow the blueprint of, of building a belief system that you can practice. You know, our Super Bowl ring is the only ring in the history of the NFL to have any spiritual symbolism engraved on it. Mm. <clears throat> and the word faith is engraved on the side of the ring. And the acronym that I use to describe what that meant was freedom for all individuals to trust and hope in each other. And when you, when you look at how Jesus built his team of 12 and when you, when you, you know, see the blueprint of faith that he, that he created that was designed by his father, he took it, he taught it to his 12 and he, and he, made them practice it until they became experts of it. And then he left us, right? And he gave us his Holy Spirit and he, and he, and he said to his disciples, now you go and you take this, this blueprint of faith, this, this design of belief system and go. And it's the greatest movement the world has ever seen. You can't stop it. Yeah. And that, that is radical, James. That, <clears throat> that to me is is how powerful faith uh, really is. So what, my, what I learned from my dad, what I learned from my mom, by being in an environment of faith where they believed in something bigger than themselves, right? Life was not about Jeff and Laura Utech. Life was about, uh, you know, service to, to God, um, uh, striving to take on the character traits of of Jesus and then how do we go out into the world and love love God and love people and that created a foundation that would support me on every single high and every single low that I would face and because that that's always there because that belief system is is concrete it's it's objective and it's and it's real I could always go back, no matter whatever happened in my life, I'd always go back to that foundation and it would carry me through, um, you know, every situation that life can, can possibly throw at me. And then you, and that's awesome. And then you get to, to coach Dungy, uh, who is as outspoken about his faith as any public 
figure in sports as I've ever seen. Uh, you win the Super Bowl and he stands up there and proclaims the name of Jesus in front of 100 million people. And it's just a, an astounding thing. I've had the pleasure of spending time with Coach Dungy as well. Very influential on my life. I just wonder for you, you described that first encounter, but just the integrity of this man and playing for him and what that meant to you, both professionally, obviously, in your career, but even personally and spiritually, just finding the Lord, finding you and Tony Dungy coming together. Talk about Coach Dungy and what he's meant to you. Oh, well, he's, you know, he's, he's just, I think of uh, just a fantastic example of integrity and character. Um, uh, someone who has a very specific belief and design to how you build a team that's that's unique obviously bringing servant leadership to the forefront of of leadership styles and uh, you know I my dad is my dad's personality is a lot like coach Dungy's where it, it's it, there's you know that the quiet strength you know of coach Dungy uh, off the title of his book but the reality of of just how does that reflect Jesus in 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 him and, and and I just I remember you know multiple times saying that to my dad like I just you know when when you when you watch someone like like Tony Dungy um, make the behavioral decisions that he makes on how he lives his own life you can't help but kind of see the reflection you know um, back towards towards Jesus you know there's 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 a time for righteous anger but it, it's it, it's it's rare. We never really saw it, you know, out of Coach Dungy. Maybe a couple of times in situations over the over the four years I was there, um, but it was always it was always deserved. Um, but for the most part, always very just um, very uh, uh, content in any situation. Um, very under control. Uh, always full of wisdom and discernment. And I think those types of those types of of, uh, of traits in a in a high stress, high intensity environment like the NFL are very powerful because you know it, it, it calms players down. I don't know if that makes any sense, but when yeah. you're around someone like you know because you don't have a coach that's all over the place and and animated and you know. It, 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 he he's always able to bring people back down to, you know, to the fundamentals and techniques of of the of the game, which to me is is uh, you know part of what makes makes him one of the greatest coaches. We'll have more of our conversation with Ben Utech, the former Super Bowl forty one champion, NFL tight end, in just a moment. But first, want to tell you about compassion. International, $38 a month, the best money you will spend every single month, one child at a time. Compassion sponsors like you and me are helping over 1.8 million children in 25 countries. Every child, everyone, every single child being discipled in the Word of God, over 150,000 children choosing to follow Jesus Christ in the last year alone. And your $38 goes to food, educational training. It just helps them. It gives them a hope. It takes them and releases them from poverty. You can make the difference. It's one person at a time, one child at a time. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and you can make that difference by sponsoring a child today. Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. Sponsor a child today. 
Now back to our conversation with Ben Utech, former Super Bowl 41 champion, right here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. 2006, you brought it up. I love the idea, first of all, that there is the word faith on the side of that Super Bowl ring. I think that is tremendous. But let's go to that season really quick. It was such a special season for you, obviously, for the team, for the Colts, for the city of Indianapolis, uh, playing tight end, catching passes from Peyton Manning. Take us back to the season, being a part of the Super Bowl winning team. What stands out from that year? Um, obviously culture and, and the way that Coach Dungy led, but what are some, maybe is there a moment that sticks out from that season that is just that moment for you that just makes you say, yep, that's why we were we were where we were. Take us back to that season. Well, it was, um, you know, there, there was a lot of anticipation. I mean, the year before uh, we had that 13-0 and run, um, you know, and, and there was a lot of talk about, uh, is this the next undefeated team? You know, it, um, right. it was, it was just a, you know, and then unfortunately we had, a you know, uh, a tragedy in, in coach Dungy's family life. And, and that, that really, um, in a, in a very powerful way brought, I think the team together, um, uh, unified us and, and we became, uh, I think, fully engaged in a, in a very paternal way. It was, a you know, it was a, a, a powerful off season and a lot of anticipation coming into that, into that year. And, and it wasn't as, you know, the thing is, is it wasn't as successful, um, of a season the year before, even though, even though we, um, we had a good season, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't quite as, as, um, as, uh, you know, I think perfect up to a point as it, as it was a season before, but, but, you know, the, the progress and how, how we all came together over the, a period of that time was very, uh, there was something different. And obviously I think it, it, it it all culminated in probably my greatest, one of my greatest memories from that whole year is the AFC championship game against the New England Patriots, you know, where we're, we're literally down three touchdowns going going into halftime. I mean, the hopelessness that you could see on the players was just it was so thick. Mm. You know, and then you've got you've got Coach Dungey who comes into the locker room content in all situations, I'm telling you, yeah. and just brings the focus back to what really matters. And he proceeds to tell us what's going to happen on this next kickoff, and um, you can, you know, you can ask any player from that year to retell the story, and it will be the same. Uh, he prophetically begins to name the the exact plays that are going to occur from the catch of the kickoff, where where this where he's going to go off on the sidelines, he's going to start on the left hash. We're going to, and he calls out this drive, James this offensive drive and it happens the exact same way that he says it's going to happen. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I am not making that up. In fact, at our 10 year reunion, Hunter Smith, our punter uh, at the time gets up in front of the whole team. Jim or say everybody is there and he's, you know, it's, he's sharing stories and, and he tells this story and he's saying, we just couldn't believe we're all realizing as, 
as um, as this drive is going, that every play that is hap- that that is happening, Coach Dungey just said would happen in the locker room, mm-hmm. and and so the, we we marched down just like he said we would in the way he said we would, and we scored, and it was the greatest AFC Championship comeback in the history of football, and it w- it almost it almost just kind of sealed the belief that this is our, this was our time. You know, we were destined, we yeah. were destined for At that point, year. I'm winning that game too. You know, you know, you're not losing to the bears in the super bowl, no matter how yeah, it, exactly. much of a struggle that game was. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one where I, if I remember correctly, it was in Miami, that super bowl. And mm-hmm. it was against the Chicago bears team. That was sort of unknown. Rex Grossman was their quarterback, but it was a closer mm-hmm. game than it needed to be. It was rainy. Most games aren't played in the rain on a stage like that, and yet you guys found a way and you won the Super Bowl mm-hmm. uh, and beat the Chicago Bears uh, for the Colts, mm-hmm. and you got your ring. So, but but after that, you win the Super Bowl, and there's the highs of being a part of a championship team. Then soon after, you leave and you go to Cincinnati, and it doesn't quite work out the way that an athlete would have it be planned to be. And you suffer. And I read that you suffered five documented concussions. And you and I talked actually about this at the boot camp a few years back, five years ago. I've heard the story about that fourth concussion against the Broncos. Can you t- tell us that story and lead us into what started to, to take place and transpire to eventually have you make the decision to walk away? Uh, sure. You know, the, 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 the Broncos uh, concussion was the first time that I had ever been diagnosed with amnesia. Um, and it was a real, just kind of a strange um situation to go through um i remember the day after the game coming in and going to the tight ends meeting room by myself and watching in a dark room the 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 play that the concussion occurred on and i'm watching this uh as though it's uh, a movie that i've never seen before and and I, i i watch myself you know, get knocked unconscious and my body goes limp on the turf. And 10, 15 seconds later, I'm, I'm slowly up and high-fiving players and talking with players. I sprint off to the sideline, talking to the coaches and the trainers. And I mean, clearly I'm functioning. My, my cognitive abilities are, are working. Um, and you know, they removed me from that game, um, for obvious reasons, but you know, I don't remember really anything, Wow, you know, I mean, there's there's maybe moments, but I I don't really I don't really remember anything from that from that game, and so it just it's a, it's a it's a strange experience to go through to watch yourself functioning, and yet um, it's almost as if that never actually happened in your life, and so um, you know that that I think for the for the first time made my wife and I realize that that. Um, Concussions, um, uh, getting your bell rung, you know, at the time was not, uh, there's a lot more to it, you know, uh, more consequences than, you know, than I had ever experienced in the past or with any other injury. And so, um, after the fifth concussion in Cincinnati, um, and the amount of time it took to kind of get back to feeling, uh, normal again, it, it just was obvious it was time to, to move on. 
Can you describe what it feels like when you suffer a concussion? I know the memory of when it happened, uh, especially that one in Denver, wasn't there, which has to mm-hmm. be frightening in its own right. But just is there a, a way to describe it? I've never suffered one, but I'm talking about like an NFL concussion. Uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have suffered concussions in different realms and different sports, but I think there's something different with football when you're talking about banging and hitting and just kind of the, the mass um, – the force mm-hmm. going up against each other. Can you describe what it feels like when you suffer a concussion? Sure. Well, every concussion is, uh, every concussion is different. So, it, you know, a lot of it depends on the hit. I, I had some concussions that came off of just horribly nasty hits that happened before there was a targeting rule and a head to head rule. And, um, you know, it, it, it literally felt like, it like you got hit by a train, you know, and, and you're, you're, when you, you know, when you regain your composure, it's just, you know, it just feels like your, your head is in a vice and, and everything around you is, <laughs> is, you know, is out of sorts. Um, you know, and, and so it, it's, you know, it, I wouldn't, I, I think, you know, it, it, it's put us a, a spotlight on an injury that, that so many people in, in the world actually go through and they face all the time. And it's something that you, you know, especially in the game of football where, you know, it, it it's the amount of hits you take, um, over the course of a season, um, that can really, you know, have the impact. And so it's, it's, uh, it's definitely an injury that we needed to continue to, to learn more about and take seriously. You mentioned the word documented concussions. I wonder, just estimated, do you have any idea how many maybe that were undocumented? And do you think that no. there are there are many that still go undocumented today? I know that the testing oh, for is sure. more stringent there is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, even, even you know, we, we alongside the NFL Players Association, I was a part of a, of a educational uh, video uh, that came out about concussions. And um, it's online and you can go see it. Um, and... You know, Aaron Rodgers is quoted in, in that video just saying that, that uh, one of the things we need to do is we need to provide more security for our players to be forthcoming and honest about, about their, their injury situation. Hmm. You know, because he was asked, you know, what's the biggest problem with concussions? And it's basically that, that players don't feel safe to, to tell the truth. And so that's, that's just evidence right there that, that, uh, that those types of situations are happening um, all the time. And so, um, you know, we, we definitely need to, you know, to, to keep trying to create that type of security for players to be, to be honest. I, I've never put a number on it. You know, I think some players try to, they do and their numbers are always just huge. And I'm, I'm wondering how they figured that out. But yeah. for me, for me, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I can tell you that there's, there's definitely, there's definitely a, you know, a few, moments that I can think of where I'm pretty sure that I, that I had a concussion and, and I didn't, uh, I chose not to say something about it because I had already been injured, you know, a number of times uh, already during the season. And, and so, and they're just, there's so much pressure and it's, it's you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's easier to, you know, attack these things when you're no longer playing, <laughs> right. but when, you know, because of hindsight. But, but the reality is, is when you're in this, when you're there, you know, it's, it, um, I don't know if I, if I, you know, even today would go back and make a different decision because it's, it's so, I'd like to think that I would, but, but, um, 
man, you just, you want to, you want to, you don't want to let your players down. You don't want to let your coaches down. And, um, and it's a, it's a difficult thing to face. Take us to the conversation that you had to have with your wife about stepping away. I know that you said earlier in the very beginning of this interview that, you know, you didn't have, you were sort of forced to retire because of the injuries, but you still had to make a decision to walk away. You have to have those conversations, I'm sure, with your wife and, and how faith played a part in it too. But take us sure. to that conversation and finally saying, I got I to stop doing this. I got to step away. Um, well, it was a long process, James, to be honest with you. You know, from that, the, the, the fourth concussion against the Broncos really started to manifest um, consequences, cognitive consequences that we had never experienced before that, that made um, noticeable differences. And, and so there, the red flags started going up a little bit even before Cincinnati. And then in Cincinnati and going through that, that, um, that concussion, um, you know, that was an eight month process to get back to being cleared to, to try and play again. And I had gone to the New England Patriots, uh, for a workout, um, you know, still considering, you know, playing and, and it was, I think became pretty tr- clear through that process that the concussion history that I had was pretty significant to teams and that it was going to be a challenge for me um, potentially to, to find a team that would even take on, you know, a player that had uh, a history like that and one that it happened on national TV with, with HBO hard knock. So it, it, you know, it was kind of a high profile, you know, concussion case. And so all of these things were kind of coming, were, were kind of leading us to a, to a conclusion over a long period of time. And that, and that, um, you know, so there were a lot of conversations, but at the end of the day, we, we just had our first of four daughters now. And, and it, you know, we, we felt um, that it was that it was time to, you know, to just move on because of family, and, and I, I think that that, you know, and, and having her support on that was was um, was very powerful. When you retired, uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, it's like, you know, when people retire from the, from football or sports, usually, you know, okay, I don't have to get hit anymore. I can actually wake up and you know, not feel the pain anymore. But for you, it was a little different. You didn't just kind of get better. Um, and then you did. And now that you're being, uh, you know, everything wasn't fine originally for you. Uh, mm-hmm. and I know that that led to writing a song, uh, and then writing a book. And I just really love the idea of the song and you'll always be mm-hmm. my girls and why you wrote it. And then the reasons why you wrote the book as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is called counting the days until my mind slips away, which is in many ways, the title is heartbreaking. Just in the way that you're anticipating that this might happen to you. Sure. Um, but let's talk about the process of, first of all, writing that song. I remember the video was shown, I think it was shown on Monday Night Football, if I remember on ESPN, when I was still working there. And then the book and writing it and the reasons behind that, especially pertaining to your wife and, and even more your daughters. Well, yeah, it, you know, it's, um, I, I kind of got thrust into this, into this world of, uh, advocacy <laughs> and um never never really by choice i mean who wants to go talk about the injury that wrecked their career um 
Right. But but definitely experience that there's such a, a, a huge a huge need um, when it comes to to the brain for brain disorder, brain disease. I mean, one in one in five are affected in this country. That's that's sixty million people. I mean, it's it's a lot, it's a lot and it's and it's unlike any other disease. There's you know there's no there's no cures. We're still trying to figure all of of that out, and so. You know, when you're diagnosed with with a brain disease, it's it's um it's it, and yeah. it's it's hard on caretakers because they have to they have to watch this you know thing take away the relevance of the person that they have have been so closely connected to. So anyway, the 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 um, the choice to write the book and and the song was was just to be vulnerable, you know, and and to to talk about fear. Um, and in the process of that, in, in the process of writing that song, uh, which came before the book, it was, it was really just kind of a therapeutic process to, you know, to go through. And at the time I was still, I was still experiencing a lot of cognitive issues, especially connected to memory. Hmm. And, and so, uh, you know, and, and all of this new information was coming out about CTE and it, and it, you know, it wasn't good. And I think you can remember just, um, you know, players reactions right away. I mean, you know, it it was almost automatic that you were going to have it, you know? And so, so you've got all these fears that are happening and and that's, that's really, you know, what I decided to, to be a vulnerable law. And if, and if, uh, if that was, you know, or is my future, then I, I need to make sure that I, tell the people that I love the most how I feel about them. And that, that's where the song You Will Always Be My Girls came from. And, and eventually that's where the book came from. And even though there's an ominous title, um, you know, which is really, you know, to get people's attention. I and mean, it's the first line uh, from the song, actually. I'm in here counting the days while my mind is, is slipping away. And, and, and so, uh, but the reality is the book is about, uh, is about perseverance, lo- hope, and love. I mean, it's a, it's um a book about being vulnerable about fears, but how it all ties back into living every moment to its fullest. And so absolutely, pretty, yeah, it, it was a, it was a good process to go through needless to say. So obviously you're a husband to Karen. I hear one of your, your babies in the background, your dad to four girls, including twins. I can't imagine having four girls. I have just one. Uh, what's life like now today for you, Ben? Day to day. I know sure, we talked sure. in the beginning about sort of today a little bit, but let's go back to that. And what what does that day to day look like? How's your health? How's your mind? How's all that working for you? Uh, just I'm so blessed. Uh, my wife Karen is just a wonderful. Um, she's just a wonderful woman and just a just an incredible mom and pours into these girls. And so I'm super blessed. Um, to have her in my life, uh, mind is one is just awesome. You know, I, I poured into a brain training program uh, a couple years ago, and it saved me. I think it brought me out of this fog that I had been in when I wrote the song, when I wrote the book, um, and you know, um, and my test results on a on a you know highly credible neuropsych evaluation went went through the roof, and so. There, it, it gave me a lot of hope and, and really a lot of hope for, for other players um, that, that you can actually, just like you train your muscles in the gym, you can train your brain. And, you know, a lot of those cognitive weaknesses that have come out of potentially multiple uh, hits to the head can be strengthened. 
and 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 it and it has totally I think um, you know brought me to a to a very good level of of health in in my life and and uh, and then we're just off to the races I I'm, I just launched my new consulting firm Keystone Culture Group with my uh, partner Dr Dan Zismer and and so we're we're off uh, you know working to help companies create high performing culture and and kind of use that championship sports blueprint um, attached to my partner's academic um, success and and really and really bring a powerful product to the industry so it's it's a it's an exciting time absolutely Keystone culture group you said was the name of the consulting firm you also uh, are speaking. I've seen you doing a lot of speaking, speaking at churches, speaking at conferences and events. And obviously you mentioned songs, uh, or the book I should say as being an author, but also songs. You're a musician. Your latest album, Standing Strong, was released earlier this year. I was listening to it yesterday on Spotify. It's fantastic. I, I highly recommend it. So life is good. So let me ask you this from the spiritual perspective. This is the final question. I asked this to all of our guests here as well on the podcast. So for you, Ben, What's the Lord been teaching you now during this season of life, where you are right now, where he has you? What are you learning from God? Um, well, in the last three weeks, probably the thing that has been at the forefront of, of, my, of my relationship with him is um, when Jesus told us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think if I've really fallen short, uh, in my life, it, it's been in, in, in those areas. And, and if I'm just being honest, it's, it's, um, coming out of professional sports and having a lot of success, I think over time, you know, has really, um, been a challenge for me because it fosters, it fosters, uh, arrogance, pride, selfishness. Um, and when, when, when I get caught up into those types of um, emotions and into those types of behaviors, then I do a poor job of loving God and loving people. And, um, you know, Jesus called us to those two things because, and he said, if you do those two things, it'll take care of the rest. And the reason why is because when you're loving God and when you're loving people unconditionally, there's no room for selfishness, right? Love is the antibody for selfishness. And, and so I think what I've really tried to do over the last, just over the last month in my, in my life is, is to, is to, um, is to compete in that area. I want to love God every day. I want to love my neighbor, my, my wife, my children. I want to love these people better. And, and, and we're capable of that. You know, I mean, first Corinthians 13 we are capable of living out that definition of love, but we have to we have to remind ourselves we've got to keep it on the on the forefront of our of our day. And if we do that, watch the blessings that pour out of out of that type of relationship. And we do thank Ben Utech, Super Bowl Forty One champion, for joining us here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. You can learn more about Ben. His music website is Ben Utech Music. Dot com Ben com His main website is Ben dash Utech.com. Ben dash Utech U T E C H T 
Ben'sBeatsBeats.com. We appreciate Ben's honesty, his vulnerability, and his storytelling in taking us inside the life of an NFL player who didn't have his career go exactly the way he had planned. I don't think that he regrets anything. In fact, he mentioned in the podcast that he wouldn't change anything uh, about his career and the way he went back to playing. But he suffered some concussions, was forced to retire. Uh, he's doing well now, but he's you know he still has those five concussions. Uh, he's the author of a book, Counting the Days Until My Mind Slips Away. That's available everywhere, including Amazon, wherever books are sold. And he started a new consulting business. He's speaking. He's doing a lot of great work. You can find him on all the social medias, on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And uh, just give Ben a follow. Let him know that you heard this interview on the podcast and let him know that, um, that you're wishing him well, as we all are. So we appreciate Ben for joining us here on Sports Spectrum. And we appreciate you. We appreciate our sponsorship with Compassion. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and sponsor a child through them. And also, we want to invite you to become members of Sports Spectrum and the Sports Spectrum family. Our brand new Sports Spectrum magazine summer issue is out now. It's our first ever all-action sports edition. And when I say action sports, we're talking about surfing and snowboarding, wake skating, skateboarding, and more. This is a chance for you to get our magazine. It's a great tool not only to read the stories of sports and faith, but to give it to someone else and encourage them to hear these inspiring stories. So you can become a partner with us. It's just $36. That covers the entire year at Sports Spectrum. And when you become a member, you help fund things like this podcast. You help fund our, our website content. But you also get four issues, our magazines, our quarterly magazine at Sports Spectrum. And our latest issue is our summer issue that's released and available now. You can go to sportspectrum.com, click that Join Now area, and become a member for just $36 a month. Thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Tell your friends, take a screenshot of this podcast, share it with them on social media, let them know about Ben Utech, let them know about all the great things we have going on at Sports Spectrum. And you can email me directly with any questions or any ideas for guests, jason at sportspectrum.com. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next time right here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast.